0: Into the book of Ephesians uh, as a church family. And so we've already looked at the first couple verses, and we're going to spend uh, the next several months together looking at really the riches of this letter that Paul wrote uh, that we get to be recipients of and and rejoice in today in our walk with Christ. And so before we do that, I just want to let you know of a couple things. One, just want to encourage you. Uh, in the weeks ahead, starting today, is just to lean in with us with Ephesians. And so for some of you, you've already grabbed a reading plan, you're going through with us, and if you've already did, you you read through the book of Ephesians this week, uh, and so you're kind of coming in uh, already ahead of the game. Maybe you didn't, that's okay, you can read through it this week, but there's a reading plan available for you outside in the lobby, you can get it online. Uh, There's also resources downstairs in the Resource Center to help you dive into the book of Ephesians. And then we've got uh, a really cool uh, resource online at tcbchurch.org slash Ephesians. And I can say it's really good because I had nothing to do with putting it together. Uh, But there's all kinds of just study helps there. Videos you can watch and things you can listen to. And if you want to download books, books that you can read. And so we as a church family want to be in Ephesians together studying this. So I just want to encourage you to lean into that. And then secondly, in the reading plan, it's more than just Ephesians. It is the entire New Testament. And so I just want to challenge you. If you don't have a plan to be in God's Word this year, read through the New Testament with us. You won't be the same at the end. God uses His Word to change us. And so we would love for you to be in the book of Ephesians and also the New Testament with us as we walk through 2024. So as we come to this letter in Ephesians, uh, as much as any book in the New Testament, this book clearly shows us the beauty of what it means to have our identity in Christ, meaning what it means for us to be called according to his purpose, and for our activity, the way we live, to be shaped by Christ, which means to walk according to the calling that we've been given as Jesus followers. And before we kind of dive into these two verses as we open our time together, it's important for us to give a little bit of context Anytime you're reading a book of the Bible for the first time, there are some questions that are really important to ask. Questions like, who is the author? Who wrote it? It gives us some insight into what we're reading. Who is the audience? Who is it written to? Who are the recipients of of this letter? Why does that matter? And the things that are being said to them. Uh, And then, why? Why was this written? Why was this letter given to God's people at this time, and this place. And then how does it fit, how? How does it fit in the larger uh, canon of Scripture, the Bible? How does it fit inside the larger story of the Gospel? So what I want to do is just take a few minutes to try to answer a few of those questions, which will kind of lead us into our big truth in a, another time of prayer this morning. So the first question is this, is who is the author? And the author is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters within the New Testament that we read, uh, and you can see his story beginning at the end of Acts chapter 7 and really through a lot of the book of Acts, see Paul's story. And if you don't know who Paul is, that's okay, I would encourage you to go back and read starting Acts 7, especially chapters 8 and 9, but to read the story of his life. Paul was originally named Saul, and Saul was not a Jesus follower. In fact, he was an opponent of the way, those who followed Jesus. He was approving over Stephen's uh, martyrdom, stoning to death. And what we see in Acts 7 and Acts 8, the beginning of Acts chapter 9, is Paul was not just anti-Jesus, he wanted to crush Christianity. He was a terrorist to the people of God. He, he had all the religious background, he knew the law, he was hyper-focused uh, on keeping the law, and he saw the followers of Jesus as being in the way of God's law. And so in Acts chapter 9, he travels, sent out by the Pharisees to go to Damascus, to drag men and women who were followers of Jesus off to jail. And he goes set on that course, focused to fulfill this mission. But God had a different plan for Saul. And on that road, Jesus appeared to Saul. And a blinding light knocked him off his horse and revealed himself to this man, and Saul became a Jesus follower. From there, Saul spent about three years in the desert just studying, learning the way of Jesus. Eventually, Barnabas asked him to come help the church in Antioch grow, and he was there for over a year. And during that time, God changed Saul's name to Paul. Gave him a new name, a new identity. It's what he's done for those of us who are in Christ. And then Paul will then set out on three missionary journeys to go and declare the gospel, to build up the churches, and eventually give his life for the name of Jesus Christ. That is the author. And I think there's a couple things we can just take away really quickly that I think are encouragement to us. First is this, church family. If God can save Saul, he can save anyone. That's good news, right? That's good news this morning. If God can save Saul, he can save anyone. Or I could say it a different way. If God can save you, he can save anyone. Amen? That's good news for us. Some of you are here this morning. You've got family members. You've got friends. You've got coworkers, neighbors who don't know Jesus. And it burns your heart. It breaks your heart. You long to see them come to faith. The gospel can save them. It's good news this morning. We need to be reminded of that. But second, not only can God save anyone, here's the second thing we see from Paul's life. God can use anyone for his glory, including you. That's good news. If God can take a terrorist... And turn him into a saint who makes much of Jesus. God can use your life, your vocation, your family, wherever your background is. Whatever baggage you bring. God can use you for his glory to make Jesus known. And that's good news. We need to be reminded of that this morning as we come into a new year. God wants to use you to bring him glory and honor and praise. And so that's the author. Let's talk about the audience. Who's the audience? Well, the audience is the church in. And churches surrounding the city of Ephesus, so it's the church of Ephesus, but it's also churches in the surrounding region. We we believe that this letter was a, a letter that was uh, in circulation, meaning it was given out to multiple churches to help them in their pursuit of Jesus, but specifically given to the church. ...at Ephesus, and you can learn more about Ephesus on Paul's second missionary journey. So picking up in Acts chapter 18 and Acts chapter 19, a little bit of Acts chapter 20... ...you can go back and read the story of the church at Ephesus and Paul's ministry that's there. The Apostle Paul actually spent three years in Ephesus. It was his most lengthy stay uh, within any of these churches that we kind of know. And so what we see is that Ephesus is a critical city. It's a port city. A lot of commerce came through there... Uh, And it was an influential city, and Paul saw a lot of uh, good gospel ministry that was there. Many people came to Christ. This church was built. But there was also opposition at Ephesus. As people became followers of Jesus, they began to change the way in which they lived, and the whole economic system for how the city began to go, or went, began to shift because of the gospel. And that's what happens when, when Jesus gets a hold of a people's lives, it changes the way they approach all of life. And so there was much opposition to the, vo- the gospel that the Apostle Paul and this church face. So, a couple just quick points of application. One, I think it's important for us to remember that we are called to make disciples, but discipleship takes time, investment intentionality. We see that in the Apostle Paul. We see this church get birth, but not in a day or in a moment or a service, but by deep investment. We want to be a church family that makes disciples. Every person here who considers themselves to be a Jesus follower, a disciple of Christ, is a disciple maker. The question is, are we being faithful disciple makers? And So that's one of the reasons why we call one another to be committed to This people, this family, because we want to help build one another up in Jesus. That takes time. Some of you are in the middle of that. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep serving, investing in others. Some of you have not started yet. It's a commitment. It's an investment. But it's one that we're called to for the glory of Jesus. I think a second thing that we can take from this church is that we see faithfulness to Jesus looks like radical devotion to the world around us. I think we've bought into a lie that we can follow Jesus and kind of have just life as normal in our culture. And that's not the picture of the gospel that we see in Ephesus. That is, this church began to form and these people began to follow Jesus, it shifted the way that they viewed their jobs and their families, the way they viewed one another, and it changed that the whole world around them was being stirred up by the changes that were happening in this people. It looked radical to them. The gospel at work and the lives of these believers turn their city upside down. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? Does the way that you live, does it come to light in the way that you interact with others who don't know Jesus? Then the last thing it's important for us to see before we dive into this text is the purpose purpose why was this written how does it fit here's the purpose to describe the riches of our calling as saints and to provide a picture of what it looks like to faithfully walk according to our calling in a fallen world see when when you read the book of ephesians you can really kind of split it into two halves chapters one through three show our calling who we are in Christ, our identity, who God is, what he has done, how he has made a way for us and how he makes us a part of his family. It's about our identity, who we're called to be according to his purpose. And then the second half of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, talk about our walk, the way that we live, the way that we pursue in light of our calling. And it's important to note that it's not just that you're in Christ, so now I've got to go out and live this way. No, it's as you pursue and abide Christ, it changes the way you live. The more you love Jesus reshapes the way you view other believers, the way you view unity, the way you view your speech, the way you view your marriage, the way you view your parenting, the way you view your parents, the way you view your job, the way you view your school. And that's really what the second half talks about. How does the gospel infiltrate and shift and change the way in which we live we see the riches of our identity in Christ and the picture of our faithfulness the walk we're called to live which leads to our big truth this morning which is this Jesus followers are called to be faithful saints Jesus followers are called to be faithful saints look again at verse 1 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints you can underline or circle that that word who are in Ephesus and are faithful circle, underline those words saints who are faithful the word saint there means holy one and when you think about saints this isn't the picture of like someone walking around with a halo over their head or an old person in a book we're not talking about Mother Teresa that's not what this is talking about a saint is someone who is set apart by God to live for his glory. And that's who you and I are if you're in Christ. This is our identity, our calling. This picture of holiness can be really clearly seen in the Old Testament, how the, the people of Israel were called to be separate from the nations around them. The way in which they worship was to be distinct or different, not because they were better, but because they were supposed to stand out. That all the nations to see that God was a different kind of God and that they would long to be a part of this family, long to be a part of this nation. We are called to be saints who belong totally to God, who are holy in his sight because of what Jesus has done. But we're also called to be faithful and the word faithful means to be believing, it means to be trustworthy. And so This word faithful, one, it's a descriptor. They are believers. They are saints and believers. They are saints who have faith in Jesus Christ. It's part of their identity. But simultaneously, these words are also about action. A saint pursues holiness. A faithful one lives a life of faith. It's not just a past decision or experience. It is faith being lived out in the everyday They're not just saints positionally, but saints who live a life of faith. This faith is not just a faith we create. Look at verse 1. It is an abiding faith. Look at what he says. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in, circle that word, in Christ Jesus. Their faithfulness is in him. It is because they're abiding, resting in him, becoming like Christ. So we are called to be saints who are faithful. This dual word picture of our calling and our walking is a theme that runs throughout the letter of Ephesians. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Identity, calling, God's work in us not our work his work for his glory by his grace but look at verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus look at this for good works our identity shapes our activity we are called to walk in line with who we are which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them Ephesians 2, 17 through 19. And he, Jesus, came and preached to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Our identity. Look at verse, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. We see our activity. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. What do little children do? They imitate their parents. You know, I don't know about you, but when our kids are really small, they would walk around with a toy or a block on their ear and they would act like they were talking to the block. Why? Because mom and dad talk on the phone a lot. They imitate. They, they are like us. We are called to imitate God because we are his children. What does that look like? Verse 2. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God so people who are in Jesus live like Jesus this is what we've been called to and this is what we live in so this morning we want these realities not just to be things we know or can speak but these are things we want to pray that God would do. us and so I'm going to pause before we go any further into these verses we're going to pray so I just want to invite you just where you're seated just make your chair and altar bow your head where you are if you want to pull your family coast and pray with them but let's pray together and ask that as a people God would make us faithful saints would you pray with me begin by just affirming we are called to be saints but that's because God is holy he is holy 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 we just declare that this morning God you are holy you are set apart you are worthy you are good We are your saints. You are holy and you make us holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are holy and blameless not because of what we do, but because of who we are in you. Just declare that this morning. Thank him for that this morning. I just want to ask you to pray a prayer of submission ask that God would build this church, his people for his glory that we would be holy ones together specifically just pray Ephesians 5 We are children of the light. Lord, help us walk as children of the light. Help us run from sin and put it to death. Help us to pursue what is holy and right and good by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray that, not just for yourself, but for this church? your brothers and sisters in Christ. (laughs) Lastly, would you just ask that we would be a people who are bold in our witness. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 prays, asks for prayer that He would have boldness to know the words to proclaim the gospel faithfully. We want to not just be children of light in our pursuit of holiness. We want to be children of light in the way that we make Jesus known. But you ask that God would give us boldness to share the gospel with our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers to be light in a world of darkness, to be salt in a world that's dying. Would you not just pray that for our church, but would you pray that for the church? Faithful churches in our area would be salt and light around our country, around the world Brothers and sisters who live in persecuted contexts, for boldness and strength this morning. That we would be the light of the world, because that's who we are. We ask that you would do these things in your church and for all generations. You would be glorified through your church forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we dive back in to these first two verses for just a few minutes together. I think it's important to ask the question what does it mean to be saints who are faithful? What does that look like? What I want to do is just give you three realities, three big ideas about faithful saints that will then lead us into some more prayer together. First big idea is this. Faithful saints are called according to His purpose. Faithful saints are called according to His purpose. This is good news. This means that our relationship with God doesn't start with us, it starts with Him. He is the initiator. He is the one who pursues us when we're running the other way. That is good news this morning. Look again at verse 1. The apostle Paul says this about himself. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, here's the key words, by the will of God. This wasn't Paul's plan. His plan was to kill Christians. But God, in his grace and his kindness and his perfect plan, intervened into Paul's life. This is how the gospel comes to us. It's not us going out looking for it. It's God engaging us. Praise him. We've been called according to his purpose. Not only does he say this about himself, but he says this to the saints, to us. Look at what he says. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. It's not what they've done for Christ Jesus. It's who they are in Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the one who has initiated. He is the one who's given his life for us and pursued us. We see this big idea clearly in verses 3 through 6. Just read this with me this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, everything that belongs to Jesus has been given to you and to me. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before time began, this was God's purpose. That we should be, what? Holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. That calling to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Amen. This is God's work of pursuing and calling us. You see, God is the author, the sustainer, the perfecter of our faith. Amen? That's what it says in Hebrews 12. Looking to Jesus, the author, the perfecter. He's the one where faith begins. He's the one where faith continues. He is the one in whom we have our faith. But second, we see this calling is God's gift. You don't earn it, you don't work for it, you don't do enough, try hard enough. No, it is a gift of grace. Not something we do for God, but that he freely does for us, through us, in us. So I just have to pause here for a second and just say, if you're here this morning, and maybe you know church, and maybe you know religion, maybe you're brand new to the whole thing, but you've never been changed by Jesus. This morning, trust in him. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus. Be made alive. Experience the joy of being a son or a daughter of Christ. The gospel is for you this morning. Turn to Jesus. But we also see that our calling of grace is effectual, meaning the grace that has begun its work in us will complete God's work in us. That's good news. God is more committed to making you like Jesus than you are committed to becoming like Jesus. And we need to be encouraged and reminded by that. This isn't something we're just called to go do. This is something God is doing in us. And so we can walk and abide in confidence that as we pursue Jesus, Jesus is changing us. And these realities are not just something that are true of us way back when you placed your faith in Jesus. They are true of you now and until you see him face to face. Faithful saints have been called according to His purpose. Second big idea. Faithful saints walk according to His calling. Walk according to His calling because of who we are in Jesus Christ. That gospel changes the way we live. And again, it's not we are in Christ, therefore go do your best. No, it's because you are in Christ and becoming like Christ, it changes the way in which we respond to Christ. It changes our lives. Look again at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, and are faithful. Their faith is being lived out. Why? Because they are in Christ Jesus. It is an abiding faith, one that is in position but also responds in pursuit because this is who we are. And this walking, this life of faith is in response to Jesus, but it's also lived out before others. Ephesians 4, 1-3 give us a beautiful picture of this idea. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm in jail. I'm in prison, but these chains don't hold me back. I still have a purpose. That's to make known the gospel to you. A prisoner for the Lord. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because of who you are in Christ, therefore live for Jesus. We are called to walk according to this calling that has been given to us, which leads to the last big idea, third big idea this morning is this. The calling. And the walking of faithful saints are fueled by grace and by peace. This calling that we've received, this walking that we do in the Spirit, it happens through grace and peace. Look at verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is a greeting, but it's more than a greeting. It is a prayer of the Apostle Paul on behalf of these believers, on behalf of us this morning. If we are going to follow Jesus, we're going to embrace and grow in our calling and our walking, it happens through grace and peace. Grace and peace, collectively, these words appear 19 times in this short letter. Grace means gift. It is God's unmerited, and this is important, active kindness in our lives. It's not just a gift when we become a Jesus follower. God's grace is at work in you now if you're in Christ. Amen? It's at work in you now. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is working in you to make you more like Jesus. Praise God. But not only do we have grace, but secondly we have peace. And peace is God's presence. It is the result of God's unending fellowship in our lives. You see, the reason why we can experience peace and grow in peace is because we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look, even in verse 2, you see two relational words. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. That's a relational word. We have grace and we experience peace. Why? Because our Father is God. The one who owns it all, is in control of all. You are his son, you are his daughter if you're in Christ. And so you can have peace today in a world full of anxiety and depression and turmoil. You can have the mind of peace that is in Christ Jesus. But not only do we see the word Father, but second we see and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord means master. It means king. So simultaneously we have this relationship where God is our Father and Jesus is our King. Therefore we can live lives of peace. Friend, God's peace is available to you this morning because of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are more than a greeting or welcome. They are gospel realities that we get to experience and live within. We never grow past grace and peace. We only grow deeper in God's grace and God's peace. They become the fuel for our following Jesus. And so as we go on to maturity, Hebrews 6.1, we're called to grow up, go on to maturity. How do we do that? By God's grace at work in our lives and God's peace because of our fellowship with Jesus Christ. And it is in that grace and peace that we grow. And it is in that grace and peace we help others grow in Jesus Christ. May we grow in grace and peace as we walk according to our calling this year as a church family. These realities, again, are not just something we want to know, but we want to pray and ask that God would do this in us. So I'm just going to invite you this morning. We're going to go into kind of a final, just time of prayer, asking that Jesus would do these things in us, would grow our awareness of our calling, would grow our walking in Jesus, would grow our experience of grace and peace. And so just a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you're physically able, to come down to the front to these stairs and to pray. I'm going to come down and pray here. and We're just going to pray together, and the reason why I invite you to come down is a posture of humility. Coming down on our knees, humbling ourselves before the Lord, saying, God, would you do these things for your glory, for our good. Now if you're here this morning and that makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to, it's okay, you can pray in your chair, God hears you there and that's totally fine, but if you're able, I would invite you to come down. And then if you're here this morning and you're not a Jesus follower, you're not in Christ, as, as we pray, I just encourage you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 and just read these first 10 verses of Ephesians. It talks about what the gospel is, what it means to be in Jesus. Consider these things. So for those of you who'd be willing to pray with me down front, if you'd come join me, we're going to pray together. As we come and we begin, I just want to invite you just to pray, thanking God that you've been called according to his purpose. When we were enemies running from God, unaware of the kindness of Jesus Christ, that God opened our eyes to see his love for us. Would you thank him? Would you praise him for this this morning? Affirm what he has done. Affirm who you are. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Just thank him, praise him this morning. It's because of who he is and what he has done that we now can walk according to the calling he's given us. So would you just pray this morning and ask that the Lord would help you to walk according to that calling, a life of faith and obedience and devotion. pray that for not just yourself but would you pray that for our church family would you pray that we would be a people who walk in a manner worthy of Jesus you pray that we would be a people who in the way we speak, the way we live, would bring honor and glory to Christ? You pray for marriages in the room. Ephesians 5 it tells us that husbands and wives are supposed to be a picture of the gospel of Christ and his church. God would help husbands and wives to love, to respect one another in a way that brings glory and honor to Jesus. The gospel changes the way we parent. Would you pray for parents grandparents that we would raise up our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, to know, love, and follow Christ? Would you pray for children that they would honor and obey their parents in the Lord. That as believing sons and daughters, we bring honor to the Lord in the way that we walk toward our parents. <coughs> Would you pray for the way that we engage with our coworkers or bosses? Ephesians 6 pray for those who are managers, those who are leaders in their workplace as they engage with their employees, that we'd be people of light. Would you ask that the Lord would help us to put on the whole armor of God as we live in a battle? We thank God that He is won through Jesus Christ. Help us to fight well. Lastly, we just ask that we would grow in grace and in peace as God's people this year. Our awareness, our joy... And God's active grace that's present in our hearts, and our minds, as we are in him. And in a world full of distraction and anxiety and fear, we would be a people of peace. Whose hearts and minds are ruled by the peace of Jesus Christ. That we wouldn't be tossed... Here and there, by every doctrine that comes, but that we would be anchored to our hope, who is Jesus. God we give ourselves to you this morning as we come into a new year, We want to be a people who grow in our calling, grow in our walking, people who are faithful saints, that our identity shapes our activity and that our lives, our church, would bring you glory. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing that work in us, and it's all because of Jesus, and it's in his name this morning we pray. Amen. Amen.